Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 98 of Confessions of a Market Maker. I'm your co-host, Ray, a.k.a. All Day Ray, a.k.a. Chief Ray Strongbow. And I'm joined here by my suave co-host, former market maker of 20 years and current day retail trader. Brilliant, amusing, friendly, enlightening, great storyteller. He checks more boxes than a gynecologist. The... (laughs) Proper villain, JJ. How's it going? Oh, we're gonna get complaints about that one, but that was good, <laughs> brother. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> well, well, that's that's why I kept that one for the podcast, just between me and you. Exactly. <laughs> but oh man, doing oh, good, man. man. Doing good. Merry Christmas and all that. Merry Christmas. Um, I'm getting close to that, so we figured we do a podcast here because we had some interesting, I guess, news uh, developments on uh, FinTwit SEC. Charges what I see they're calling Fintwit bros, uh, JJ, in a hundred million dollar pump and dump scheme from the Atlas trading discord. Now, you know, I, I kind of try and like block out most of the noise on Twitter and like keep like a, a narrow following. So I wasn't really too familiar with any of these people. Did were you aware of some of these people beforehand? I was. I was. I unfortunately one of the one of the stocks that they were pumping, one of my friends got involved with to the tune of about three or four hundred thousand dollars. And it was that WISH. And I kept telling him that this thing is going to go to zero. And, and, you know, the stock the stock went from, I think he was long in the 12s or the 14s, and it went to 65 cents. Uh, it was just, you know, I saw, I just looked at the filings, and within 20 seconds, I knew that it was a dilution pig. And, and a dilution pig is when the company is issuing itself cheap or free shares. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, then you'd see this guy who was pretending to be, uh, you know, he was pretending to be like somebody else that he wasn't. He was using a fake name, pumping it. Uh, he was, you know, like some guy that was a, uh, uh, what was he, a Hollywood actor or something like that from a TV show. And he had taken on his persona and people were buying the stock. And, you know, I said, you know, the first thing I said when I saw these guys, I, I said, wow, these guys are good criminals uh, because you know, they're showing they bought a million shares. They show a position of a million shares, but they don't actually show the buy transactions like the tickets, mm-hmm. right? So nine times out of 10, that means that they've gotten that million shares for free to pump the stock. And they're going to sell that into your buying and they don't disclose it, which is a clear violation of Rule 17B, which is uh, the disclosure. The SEC is really clear about this stuff. I know because I've tangled with them hmm. and... uh you know, because I wrote a disclosure, it got changed, and my partner changed it before we went to press, and I, you know, I got tagged with the 17B violation, so I happen to know this intimately. As long as you tell people, look, I own this position, you're going to buy, I'm going to sell into your buying. If you tell people that, that disclosure is is okay, right? But these guys are pretending that they they're buying a million shares, ten million shares, they're getting S8 stock. To promote, which is also illegal, uh, and it, it's just—it's just a nightmare. It, it's an absolute nightmare. They're just, and people are, you know, you know, because now all these people are going to call me. What do they call it? A fud or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just—you know—I hate to say it, but people—we live in an age where people are very gullible, you know. And these guys come along, and they're showing. 
You know, as soon as you see a picture of somebody standing in front of a Lamborghini, that's, you know, we've got a guy in our trading room, you know, who, who sold a prop firm. The guy's close to a billionaire, drives a Toyota, right? Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, you know, it, it's okay to have nice things and everything like that, but you know, people have got to give their head a shake. And then, you know, I, I saw that these guys were being promoted heavily and, and uh, they got my buddy really bad because they got him on another deal. They said, hey, look, this wish didn't turn out. Load up on this other one and we'll make it up to you. And that's a classic stock promoter thing, right? Mm-hmm. If if I have a deal and it does badly, I'll try on my next deal to get free stock for the people who got hurt so they can at least make some of their money back, right? And if you try to do that, then that's a different story. But if you tell them to buy the stock, it's going to, you know, I'll make it up to you, you buy the next one, that's a clear sign, right? And, and that's how they just keep rooking people into this. And they're just dumping stock that they got for free. That thing's 51 cents now. You know, it went from $32 to 51 cents. And it was just, it, it was just sickening to watch people lose their money. Uh, and, and keep believing these guys. The weirdest thing was, the price kept going lower, and they kept thinking that. Uh, and there were some clever people too, like some people who had CFAs, some people who have worked in the business. They were gung ho on this stock, and I was like, you know, folks, this thing's got a S eight, uh, you know, for like hundreds of millions of shares, uh, which means basically stock that is free, right? Stock that a company can. Uh, issue to consultants, quote-unquote consultants, and they can sell that, and it's just, it's dilution of the worst kind, and it's called S, like the uh, like the letter S and the number 8. And uh, when they have these huge S8 filings, that stock is equity-based compensation, uh, you know, and real companies will use that stock, but I mean, back in 2020, their S8 on that WISH was 315 million shares. All of that stock hit the float. Mm-hmm. Right? There's no reason for a company to issue that kind of an S8 of that size. You look at companies like Palantir and Peton, they have S8s that would choke a dinosaur. You wonder why the stocks never go higher. There's always, they're just adding to the float every day. Mm-hmm. Crazy, man. It's, um, it's, like, it's like a golden age right now for uh, scamming um, oh. uh, you know, I guess with, you know, just the internet and just the, the timing of all this. It's just uh, crazy. Yeah. And, and just for, just so the listeners, um, uh, just for their, their, their knowledge, if they're not aware of this. So this was that they're called the Atlas trading group, or I don't know, they had some discord, I guess they were giving out alerts. Um, and so some of the people here, which I don't know much, I got a list. So, uh, let's see, uh, Perry Matlock. So he's at PJ Matlock. This is all on Twitter, by the way, um, at Mr. Zach Morris. So he had half a million followers. I think I came across him. Yeah. Probably just off a share volume. That name sounds familiar. Um, we got, Oh, Hey, Tommy, Notorious Alerts, Hugh Henny. That sounds familiar. 24 from Jersey. I don't know. Um, laid back and ultra calls. So, yeah, so interesting. Um, I'm going to ask you this, JJ, right? So, you know, I just said, like, the timing of this is a little interesting. Obviously, the SEC had to be on to them for, you know, a good while. Um, I saw, like, uh, I-, I guess some of these undercover agents, were, whatever they're called, were messaging with some of these guys. And I guess oh, yeah, sure. were saying, um, 
I mean, I guess some of these guys seemed pretty dumb about what they were saying to these people. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. They were very brazen. They were like taunting the SEC, it looked like. very. They were very brazen with all of this. I want to ask you this, though. Like, the timing of this is very really interesting, right? Because we're coming right off of like this FTX like yep. type of scandal. Do you think the SEC like <laughs> chose to like crack down on them now because of just like they needed a win under their belt, you know? Or uh, I, I think they finally had enough to build a case. I mean, it was these guys were blatant in in the way they were um, not not only taunting the regulators, uh, but just the way they were doing it. So I, I I don't really understand. You know, I do understand how an SEC agent and, and these guys work and build cases, but. The problem is that they they take these guys down after they've taken people down for a couple hundred million dollars. Yeah. They don't step in when it's happening, right? They let they let it happen. They let people just lose hundreds of millions of dollars. Then they step in. There's there's no preemption. They don't ever question the companies. Uh, you know these things trade ungodly amounts of volume. Because now with the internet, you can bring retail in. I mean, when I was doing deals, I wish I had the kind of buying that these guys bring in. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you could sell 50, 100 million shares of stock a day into this buying um, and just walk away. I mean, the people behind these companies who use, like, these are the knuckleheads who made 100 million. Somewhere out there, there are people who had cheap stock in these companies that took them public who are walking away with billions of dollars. And because they disclosed their ownership and they registered the stock properly, right, um, they, they, they're getting away with it, right? These guys, these guys are the chumps that you hire to help you offload your paper. Uh, we call stock paper in the old days uh, because we had to deposit paper certificates. But it's just, it's you know, and we're going to catch a lot of heat from this because these guys have a lot of fans and people who love them. Even after they've taken three, four hundred grand for them, they like them. Uh, and that's okay. I guess that's Stockholm syndrome or something like that. You like, uh, you know, you get emotionally involved with the person who abuses you. Um, you know, and 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 it's the same thing with this. You know, this FTX goon. You know, I I've worked in the brokerage industry and I've been around since nineteen ninety three. And the owner of our brokerage firm was 65 years old. His sons ran it. But you try and tell me he didn't know where every single penny was, right? This Sam, this SBF guy is saying, oh, I don't know where the money is. Oh, come on. If you believe that, I got Oficial property in Saskatchewan to sell you. Like, seriously? Yeah. And these guys are even, I mean, these guys are a low-level version of that, you know, as opposed to billions. But they tagged $100 million, you know, or so that's, that that's that's a fairly decent score and the fact that they were so brazen and sloppy about it um you know i hate to speak ill of regulators but come on guys you guys got to wake up i don't know what the heck you guys are doing in your office every day but you know if you see a volume alert go off or something and it it's trading you know 100 million dollars worth of stock a day and the price is going down generally that's a clue that someone's dumping a lot of paper into the buying it mm-hmm. doesn't take a rocket scientist. Like you don't you don't need a degree in thermodynamics to figure that one out, you know, or string theory. You know, it's like, come on. <laughs> it's yeah, it's incredible. I you know, I, I don't know if it was you know, kind of like this culture online that got created with like um 
people just uh, what they call like aping into stocks or you know into crypto into um nfts and like i you know and you know me like i I like all those things i'm in those things too but you know i come at it with a more professional disciplined approach um where there's like yeah there's this culture that was promoting that like yeah we're all going to jump into something things are going to pump um it's easy money and you know we we know that's not the case and and i guess like over the you know the past couple of years, people have been conditioned to this, and so like you said, probably overlooked probably some obvious signs. Yeah. To to where you shouldn't be, you know, following sir. I mean, you shouldn't be following anyone first and foremost. You should be no, developing your own your own thoughts and your own system. But- exactly. You you know you need to you need to develop your own strategies and back test them. And, and you know, trading is a, is a job. And you know, I always say to people, if you if if you run a business. You wouldn't dream of doing 90% of the things that retail traders do, right? If you owned a sandwich shop, you know, you would turn the lights off at night. You wouldn't leave your inventory out to get rotten. You would like, you know, it's just, you wouldn't take the money that you make and then go to the casino right away. Like just like if you, if you, if people thought of trading as work and as a business, they would think it and they would do things differently than they do now where they just, completely are ruled by emotions. And that's why trading psychology is a beautiful thing. But, you know, I think the first thing psychologically that you should do is look at this as like you're going to work and it's a business. Mm-hmm. And if you can't do that, then you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't be like playing with your money uh, when there are people who are insanely, insanely like vicious people. I mean, and I know because I had these people as clients, Right. Like, you know, I had a guy who made seven million in a week and stiffed the guy who was painting his fence fifteen hundred bucks. Like, these are the kind of people that are selling you the stock that, you know, you're saying everybody's telling you, you know, you're a FUD or whatever for you know for, you know, saying something negative against the stock. Uh, you know, uh, how do you like it at a petty? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like you log at five bucks, it's a petty now, right? Okay, well, you know. Uh let's see what your hands are made of now. You know, um, yeah, yeah. You know, like it's just a little. It just we 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 had low interest rates for fifteen years, and so we just lost all common sense. You know, yeah, yeah. No, no, no diamonds on those hands. No more. Yeah, there's. No. Yeah, be. You'd be lucky if you pay for cubic zirconia, for God's sake. <laughs> after some of these runs, you know. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah, yeah. So just a, a quick a quick shout out. Uh, to the sponsors of this podcast, Apex Trader and Top Step Funding. Any listener of this podcast that has the skills to pass an evaluation can become a prop trader fully funded by either Apex or Top Step Funding. Our own micro e futures trading community has many members who are now fully funded. There's no need to trade with your own money. Keep 90% of the profits. To learn more, you can visit microefutures.com. It's been good to see you, JJ. Um, oh, uh we got we got some traders doing well with that program yeah i i love these these funded trader programs for that because what they do is uh they give you boundaries right and they make you work in a work type environment because the problem with retail trading is you don't have a compliance officer you don't have a credit and compliance you don't have an owner of a firm you're sitting there in a room by yourself these people will help give you a structure other and also using other people's money to learn is good and the the funding process and the evaluation process teaches you discipline right and that's really important for people 
Um, because an undisciplined trader, oh, is a dead trader. Yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, that's why I think their their programs are absolutely wonderful. Top Step and uh, Apex. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Shout out to them. Yeah, I never I never thought of it like that too. Yeah, it gives it gives um gives some good structure, like you said, like you know, being yeah. like, you, don't, you don't have compliance, you don't have all that other stuff. So. Oh yeah. yeah, I mean to be to be like like when you're sitting on a trade desk, like it. Let me be rude for a sec. You've got a compliance officer, a credit officer, and the owner of the firm. They basically hand they have your hand up their hand up your ass all day, right? You like I mean when you start out and you want to take a breath, you got to ask permission, right? Because they know that one idiot can blow up an entire firm that's 150 years old, right? Because risk management, and so they are on you like they are just on you, and. That's the problem with retail trading. We don't have that structure. You don't have anybody going, what are you, high? What are you doing that for, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, I'd give you a shot in the head and go, hey, hey, what, hey, don't do that, right? You know, this is the closest thing to that you can find, uh, you know, in an environment where you can learn and grow. And we help people, uh, you know, we help people with that. And uh, I, I think that's a great thing because retail trading is need structure. Absolutely. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, so, so back to this, you know, I got, I got one last thing to ask you here, um, about this, uh, Atlas trading group. Oh, I guess two more things. One, um, so, so what are, are these guys facing fines or jail time? Like what, what are they? Um, I am not sure if I haven't actually read the complaint yet. I know that they'll be looking for civil penalties, uh, but if there, if the if the FBI is involved, uh, you know there is criminal stuff in these things. Uh, you know, if they were doing any kind of wash trading, if they were, you know, things can get pretty ugly pretty fast. It's not a good idea to try and screw with the authorities in this climate. Um, you know, even though they were slow to get it, these guys are in trouble, right? Uh, and if you get criminal charges against you, dear God, it's it's just you know you're looking at jail time. Um, and for some of the stuff that they were telling people, they, I really think, and I look, everyone's innocent until proven guilty. So let's say that so we don't get sued. But, you know, if these guys were doing what they were really doing, and I saw evidence of it because I had a friend of mine who got sucked into their, to their complete BS and, you know, it cost him, you know, like he's, he's a rich guy, but still, you know, a three, $400,000 haircut, you know, that's not fun, you know, uh, not fun and, at all. You know, it's it's just wrong. Yeah. So I guess you know. I, I hope the listeners. I would like to thank the listeners of this podcast. They don't. They don't get uh, fooled by these type of charlatans, by these people on Twitter. But uh, for those who maybe did get hurt or are new and don't know how to spot, you know, someone, you know, an expert from a fraud. Uh, what what maybe some tips would you give to people to you know just be on the lookout for people like this? Disclosure right? If somebody is recommending an investment to you, they need to tell you where they bought it, how they acquired those shares under rule 17B of the SEC, the Exchange Act of 1933. They need to tell you where they got the shares, whether or not they've been compensated with free stock for telling you to buy the stock, right? Now, because these people might have been compensated with what we call S8 stock, which is illegal to issue that for investor relations purposes, they probably weren't going to disclose it, right? And how that works is, you know, say you have a public company, I'm a promoter, and I'll go, hey, Ray, you flip me a million shares, right? I'll bring, you know, I'll bring 10 million shares worth of buying it if you give me a million shares, 
stocks two or three bucks. Now, because I can't, you know, I can't take that down, I'll get like my cousin to come to you and be your consultant for business development in quotations. Mm-hmm. You'll issue him that stock and, you know, I'll, I'll go to work and, and this is how, or they'll have, you know, some sort of a corporation that they don't, you know, that they control through what we call a rat hole, Jordan Belfort's uh, term, which is a nominee. And uh, this is how this world works. And it's, you know, disclosure. They, they should have, and it's usually in really fine writing, under an investment, um, you know, idea, it should say, we have been paid, you know, $100,000 by a third-party shareholder to, uh, to advertise this stock. Right. If we've been paid in stock, we disclose how much stock we've got and, you know, we will sell it into your buying. Right. But nobody wants to say that because, you know, but that's the truth. They're they're selling it to everyone's buying. This is the most common thing. And it's been going on since the beginning of markets. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, yep, yep. Just, nothing new with the it. sun, right? No kidding. They just got away with it for, for quite a long time. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, the, the the internet, social media definitely makes these type of things uh, easier. Like you know, like you, like you were saying, like you almost wish like this was this was the case when you were doing doing your thing. Oh yeah, I mean disclosure is the thing. The SEC they let you get away with anything as long as you tell people. I mean, I mean, not talking fraud, but you yeah. know, they let you. They you know, if I have a hundred million shares of a stock and I pay you, if I pay you a hundred grand a week to bring in buying. Uh, you know, if I disclose that, you know, under my form fours or whatever that I'm selling, you know, as the people are buying, then at least the people have a chance to go, okay, you know, this guy is going to sell it to my buying stocks, probably going to go down and I'll, you know, I'm going to lose money, but at least you give them the chance to know that the game is rigged against them, right? You at least give them the chance to know the information because it's that's why it's publicly traded. There's supposed to be public information out there, right? You know these dark alleys of ownership. Uh, you know, hey, listen, you know, my first client was a Swiss bank, and you know, Canadian promoters hid their positions in Swiss banks, sold the stock from the Swiss bank through Vancouver into the United States, right? And uh, you know, it's it's very lucrative. This is how people make fifty million, a hundred million. You know, they hire these you know, these sort of atlases of the world to help pump and uh, they'll hire somebody in Asia, somebody in America, then you get all of this volume. And these guys have three, 400 million shares of this garbage and they're just dumping it into volume. That's why these big deals, the big players behind them, they're making 150, 200, $300 million on these deals. People don't even know that they exist, right? These guys who got caught, you know, they're pikers, as we say in New York, you know? Like these nudnicks are complete pikers. They, you know, they made a lot of money, but there's somebody else who made 10 times, 100 times what they made. Mm-hmm. And those are the people who have that stock at a almost zero cost basis. Yeah. And we, uh, and they don't want us to know about them. No. <laughs> we, don't, we don't hear about them. No. Um, and, you know, I, I know, I know, I mean, you've talked about it. It's just, you know, like with social media and stuff like that, just people, the people being brazen, the people being flashy. Um, you know, it's you like usually the wealthy ones are the ones that are really doing something there. They they don't want to be known, right? They they want oh. to be real quiet in the background. Oh yeah, exactly. They're quiet, right? They got these idiots out there, you know, uh pumping away. These guys are sitting in, 
you know, they're sitting in St. Bart's and, you know, they're just quietly selling 10 million shares a day into this buying. I know because I was the trader who sold the 10 million shares. That's why, that's, that's why I know, right? I wasn't the pupper, but, you know, my client would call me up and he goes, oh, the paper route's starting, JJ, right? That's all they need to say. Then I call on my market makers and say, show me bids. I'm a seller, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, then I would cut the supply when the stock got too depressed, let them come up and, you know, let them, you know, let them start nibbling again. And, you know, when the ducks are quacking, we feed them, you know, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it, you know, that's, 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 that's the game. That's that game. And it's just being done with so much more money now. Um, it's, it's crazy. The, you know, the, the dollar amounts are just crazy. Mm-hmm. Sure is. Sure is. So listeners do, do your own, um, develop your own thoughts, develop your own trading strategies. Um, yeah. And we'll leave it. We'll, we'll leave it out on that. JJ. So yeah, Definitely. Today's episode of Confessions of a Market Maker. If you guys enjoyed today's episode, could you please rate and review it for us? If you guys would like to join a supportive and professional community of traders, you can join us at microefutures.com. JJ, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas, brother. Happy New Year. Enjoy. All the best to your family. All the best to the folks out there. I hope you guys have a wonderful holiday season. And uh, just take it easy during these holidays and trade safe. Yep. Trade safe. So for the gorilla of House Street, I'm Paulie Walnuts. You stop, so.